0: You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at HelpForHD.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: Hi, guys, and thanks for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant with Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Carson Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we've got Sharon Tomlinson on, and um, we are going to be talking about anticipatory grief. Um, most everybody knows, Sharon, hopefully in the HD community. If you don't, you're getting ready to. Um, Sharon, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: I'm glad to do it. So let's start off with where are you from? I am from Florida. I live in Panama City, which is in the panhandle of Florida on the Gulf Coast. which got hit by a hurricane pretty bad not long ago. Yes, yes. Uh, on October 10th of 2018, we got hit by Hurricane Michael, which was a Cat 5 hurricane. It was the third strongest uh, in U.S. history. Absolutely crazy.
1: and And I'm guessing... Well, I mean, I know uh, from your photos that um, you guys had a lot of damage and lost everything, we didn't did
2: you? It. Yeah. Well, we didn't lose everything. We were, we were really lucky. Um, but we, yeah, we had a, a good bit of damage, and we're still recovering like most of the people in Panama City. So it it's one of those things where it takes a few years to rebuild and it'll take a lifetime for the trees to come back. Yeah. And can you tell us how your family's affected by Huntington's? Yes, my first husband, Paul, uh, had Huntington's disease. Um, he was diagnosed in think. 1988 so it was a clinical diagnosis before the gene was discovered and before the um, genetic testing was available so his was a clinical diagnosis and it was based on um, you know just an exam um, by the neurologist and an MRI and family history. He had a very strong family history. Um, He was one of four kids and three of them had HD. Um, His younger brother that was the same age as me uh, had it and then the youngest brother who was 12 years younger than Paul also had it. And they all had very Different symptoms and onset and progression hmm. and yeah, yeah, and so um we had one child, and he is now thirty five years old. He was diagnosed well, he decided to have the um the genetic testing when he was eighteen and he tested positive with a CAG of 45 and um, became symptomatic when he was 21, definitely symptomatic, maybe sooner than that, and was diagnosed at the age of 24.
1: Mm. That's so interesting to me that, you know, His CAG is just two more than mine, Uh Um, you know, and I'm, I'll be 35 this year. So, I mean, we're the same age and, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's very interesting to me how, how much of a difference that can be. Um, you know, obviously the, the CAG doesn't account for everything, but, um, but still, it's no, just crazy
2: it's, to me. It doesn't, and, and um, one of the things that happened with him was, um, you, you know, trying to self-medicate and, and abusing alcohol and drugs, and it really exacerbated his symptoms. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't take his medication. He'd take it for a little while, and, and then he'd quit taking it, and we'd be right back where we started. But, um, you know, he had, he had two near-fatal suicide attempts, and um, after the, the last one, which was in May of 2013, he was hospitalized. Again, I lost count of how many times he was in the hospital or in rehab or in a dual diagnosis center, and um, this last time the court ordered him in, uh, involuntarily committed to the state mental hospital, and he spent a year there. and. He came out under the supervision of a community mental health program that's funded by a grant in Florida, and they got him stabilized and able to be at home with me, and he's, you know, he's been on a regimen of medications ever since then and has stayed clean and sober and has done really well. That's good. I'm so glad
1: that he's, you know, doing so well now. And that's tough because I can totally understand that that want to self medicate and, um, you know, just dealing. It's tough. It's so, so tough it is. having symptoms. It is. And, um, you know, I don't consider it a pre-manifest, but I just, can totally relate to, especially with the stress in my life right now, to that wanting to self-medicate because of it, you know. And so I feel for him 100%. I'm so glad he's home with you, though.
2: And when, when you have HD and you have a parent who has HD, you are grieving not only the loss of your parent, but you've seen up close and personal what the disease does, and you're grieving all of your own losses and what what you see in the cards for yourself
1: yeah and that is one hundred
2: percent true <laughs> yeah, and that's anticip you know you're you're yeah. not you're not grieving a a death or a loss um, that's immediate and you have closure and you move neatly through the stages of grief and then you get on with your life. You're grieving losses every day without any resolution.
1: And that is, I mean, Sharon, you just put it perfectly. It's grieving every single day. And um, so um, for my dad, this has been a really, really hard year, not just because of COVID, but with everything with my dad, because um, as I was telling you earlier, uh, we were at a pretty steady place. He was doing fairly well. Um, You know, we would see some progression here and there, but it really wasn't. Um, And and he was maintaining for for a few years um, at a pretty good level. And then it's like this, especially the past couple of months, he's just really went downhill. And, um, you know, we're talking falls daily. We're talking having problems Mm. with eating. He's not understanding what we say. um, Or he'll understand certain things but he can't process to, to so if we will say, Dad, do you understand what we're saying? He's, and he'll say yes, but then if I say, Dad, can you move your leg? He can't do it. Um, you know, well, cause that processing takes longer.
2: Yes, it, it's the processing. It's the processing. Yeah. And I know this So that it's been tough. Son, you were saying, you know, some I notice that with my son. Sometimes I'll ask him a question and I don't get an immediate response. And And I know that he's just having trouble processing it and I, I have to wait. I have to give him enough time to be able to answer me. Yeah.
1: How long do you normally give um, for him to respond to
2: you? Um I'll wait about a minute.
1: Okay.
2: And then because that that seems to be a, a, about where he is right now, um mm-hmm. that may change. I will never forget um his daddy. I had I had taken Paul to his brother's funeral. His his brother had committed suicide. And Paul was in a nursing home, and I picked him up at the nursing home and taken him to from Destin, Florida, where the nursing home that he was in at the time, and took him to Alabama for the funeral. And we were on the way back, and um, we were driving... you know very rural area driving through through country roads and past cow pastures and cotton fields and whatnot and paul said he needed to use the bathroom and i pulled off into a field and got him out of the car and got his pants and his depends off and he was standing there and and A farmer came driving along pulling a horse behind his truck, and he saw us, and he just lifted his hand and waved and kept going. And Paul finished, and we got back in the car, and about um, 10 miles down the road, Paul said, I used to pick cotton in that field, and there was no field around us." And I didn't know what he was talking about. And so when I met up with his brother later, I told him what Paula said. And he said, oh, he was talking about the field where where you stopped for him to go to the bathroom. So it had taken 10 minutes for him to process that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very
1: interesting because I try to give Dad about a minute. But knowing, because, um, you know, usually for questions or whatever, that's about right. But that's interesting that it took 10 minutes to process. That's not a good thing to know. Um, yeah. But, you know, it it is definitely, so I'm dealing with two two types of grief right now. And you you pointed it out perfectly. Um, it's that caregiver grief. Right. Grief that um, uh-huh. as a caregiver, watching your loved one get worse and uh-huh. you're grieving what, how they used to be. Um,
2: uh-huh.
1: But I'm also grieving um, what I see as my future. And, yeah. um, and, you know, I, I cried, broke down yesterday and cried and told my husband, I said, you know, when I get to this point, um I I don't want to be a burden, I don't want to, you know I this is hard for me to see. Um and yeah. I just don't I'm I'm scared. Um, mm.
2: that's a very normal human reaction.
1: Well, it brings back oh. all of those feelings of of when I tested and, you know, the um, when I first tested, it was that every move that I made had to have been Huntington's um, and it, oh. it kind of throws me back into that um, because of being around it so much and going, okay, well, this is what my future is. Well, then am I showing stuff now, you know, um, it's yeah. hard not to do that.
2: Yeah, so you do the constant symptom checking. Yeah. And it's hard to to live just a normal life without doing that because it's it's right there with you all the time. Mm -hmm. And, of course, yours is complicated because you've got those two precious children, and you worry what their future is for mom who is sick. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know what your life is like right now with your dad being sick. Mm hmm So you're grieving for your dad. You're grieving for yourself. You're grieving for your husband. You're grieving for your kids. You're grieving for your mom. It's just So complex. It's hard.
1: It's, um, you know, and that's one thing I'm learning is just that it's this, I didn't realize how bad anticipatory grief could be, and, um, you know, it just makes it so much harder to function. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think a lot of times depression goes hand in hand with it. And so you have to make sure that you, that you take care of the depression. Yeah. And what I do for that, I I take antidepressants. I, um, I see a therapist from, from time to time. I've done a lot of therapy and, um, I go back when I feel like I need a tune-up. You know, when things get really hard, I go back.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I like how you put that, Mm -hmm. when you need a (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) tune-up.
2: Just like you take your car for a tune-up.
1: Yeah.
2: But some of the the characteristics of... Go ahead. anticipatory grief um, besides the de- depression your thoughts are jumping around between past present and future and and so it can make it really hard to stay focused and, and yes you're just on on constant alert because there's so much uncertainty you and no closure you don't know what's what's coming and because there's so much uncertainty and because you you're afraid that other people won't understand what you're feeling a lot of times you just stuff those feelings and then your your life is just ruled by uncertainty and so that's that's why i think it's so important to not stuff those feelings to that's that's where the therapy comes in or the support group or whatever you use to to deal with those things instead of constantly stuffing everything
1: yeah and I've noticed too that if I if I ignore how I'm feeling then I become more irritable and um, I tend to snap at people
2: so yeah but that was one of the first signs of my depression, the irritability. I didn't have depression where I i just cried, although I can remember at, at one point just sinking to the kitchen floor and, and just sobbing. Um, mm-hmm. Mine was more, you know, if you looked at me crossways, I'd bite your head off. Right. So, and and, and I feel I, I kind of feel that
1: way now with dealing everything is like just very irritable, and then I feel a lot of guilt, and then I go into, I spit then snowballs into well, then could that be Huntington's because I got irritable? So it becomes this I,
2: <laughs> snowball effect. Yeah, you know, the vicious circle. No. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you, so do, do you do anything like
1: listen to um, music or anything that, you know, at home that helps?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I My husband is a musician, and so we've always got music in our house. He's listening to music or he's playing music, and we enjoy the same music. So, you know, that's, That's a um, that's a a good stress relief for me, and it's something that that we share. Um, I talk to him. Um, I have a support group that I participate in every every week. Um, I belong to different. Online caregiver groups. Um, there are other things that I like to do that I haven't done because of the virus. You know, I used to like to go and get a a massage or get a a, a pedicure, and um, those those things were, were big stress relievers to me. And I used to like to sit down and play the piano, but I haven't done that lately. Um, so, yeah, just finding whatever, you know, brings you peace and, and tranquility and relaxation. Going to the beach is a big one for me. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it soothes all my senses, um, but I haven't done it. I told my husband yesterday I was going to go to the beach yesterday afternoon and then I just never did it. You know, you, you put things off, um, so far as taking care of yourself there are other things that need to be done. Yeah, and I know better. You know, it's the old oxygen mask rule. On an airplane, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. And it's just the same way. You know, when you're a caregiver, you really have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. And it, it just, it's, it's hard to find the time to do that. So you have to make the time to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, Sharon, I really appreciate you um, coming on and talking about anticipatory grief with me Um did you have any final thoughts or advice for caregivers who are dealing um, or with people who are positive who are dealing with it?
2: Um, just know that, that it's normal and it's messy. Um, there's no one right way to grieve and there's no timeline for grief um it's going to show itself in different ways um it's it's just a a real complicated thing because of because of what HD is like um so take care of yourself and be gentle with yourself be easy on yourself um and the same thing with the loved one that you're caring for. You know, remember that they're grieving too, and they're not trying to make your life miserable. And um, you know, it's just it's a hard journey, and the, you know, just be kind. Reach out. Thank out, so much Sharon I Reach really feel amazing that um, Also I want to remind people That we have A hype day this Saturday And I will be talking About anticipatory Grief With Katie With Katie Jackson At that hype day mm-hmm. And what time does that start? That starts at, uh, I want to say 10 o'clock central time. I can pull it up really quick. I going to say you probably have the information there at your fingertips. Usually, let's see if I can...
1: So you and Katie will be talking about it, and this is a um, a virtual event um, that mm. will be on Zoom,
2: I believe. Yes, it will uh-huh. be. And let's see my my particular part. Let's see, there's going to be a discussion of suicide at 1230 Central Time, and then um, Katie and I are going to be talking about grief at 1250 Central Time, and then um, Katrina Hamill and Chris Brown are going to be talking about living positively with HD at one ten Central Time. Okay, great. So that's yeah, the, so I just part, but that's, um, so far as the, the whole hype event, um, let me see if I can find the flyer.
1: Yep, so you can actually go to um, register at www.help4hd.org, and it's H-E-L-P, the number for 4, hd.org. Um And it is from, the height panel is from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Central Time. Um, and you can submit... Um, anonymous questions for the panelists to discuss. So uh, these, this has been shared on our Facebook, it's shared on Twitter, um, and it's on the Help for HD website as well. So um, anyone who is listening you're, listening, you're welcome to go on there and register for the event and submit um, anonymous questions. But definitely tune in to hear more from Sharon about anticipatory grief and um, other subjects as well.
0: And Sharon, we'll I guess we're going to
1: go ahead and end the show there. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I think this is a subject that we could talk for hours about, um, <laughs> you know. and, and yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your presentation on Saturday, so um, –
2: well thank, thank you, so you. Much. thank you. And thanks for having Absolutely. me on. I hope things um, improve with with your situation. I I know it's really tough right now. So my prayers are with you. And remember to take care of yourself. Thank you so much. And you take
1: care of yourself and your son. And everybody who's listening, please make sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves as well and know that you're not alone through this HD journey that we're all dealing with. And I am going to say goodbye for now.
2: Take care. Okay, bye, Lauren. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening.